The Wine Monk, Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is The Wine Monk. Today we're talking from the Bell Room at Arizona Hops and Vines with Megan and Shannon, who are the owners and winemakers of Hops and Vines. Hi. Hello. Would you ladies like to introduce yourselves to our listeners? Yes. Um, I'm Megan. I'm the winemaker here in the, in the vineyard and the trash emptier, and I'm Shannon. I'm a migrant worker, our marketing person and event coordinator, and sales t- um, tasting room girl. That's it. <laughs> so we're gathered here to talk about the release of Hops and Vines' first estate wine, correct? Correct, yes. Um, so tell us a little bit about it. Um, we're very excited about this one. It's going to be called Amanda, named after my our first, our oldest child, sounds like we're together but <laughs> it's um, my daughter and um, it's going to be a series of six wines that all together will form one picture of a vine going through the different processes so I'm really excited about that and it was painted by one of our local uh, one of our tasting room staff so it came out really good and then the wine itself is super exciting because this is our very first estate wine we got a s- small batch of it um, uh, it's all Cabernet in this one it's 75% Cabernet from our vineyard and a, a touch of a little bit of Cabernet from um, Callaghan Vineyard in this one. So we're pretty excited about one. It came out really, really good. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so what, were some, what are some of the challenges you face here in Sonoida in terms of growing? Oh, um, I was going to say challenge. our biggest challenge, but it's not specialized to Sonoida, is money. We don't ever have any. But um, mm-hmm. as far as growing is concerned, um, we've been stru- we planted the entire vineyard from cuttings. So, you know, we're struggling to um, get enough water to the vines and develop the root system to where it could support the grapes that we've, we wanted to get. So that's been, um, that's been hard. And, you know, we have a li- very, well, equipment. Again, it comes down to money. So everything we pretty much do by hand, um, spraying and everything else. So just time and money, I guess, would be our biggest challenge. I think, too, balancing. We have so many events. It's hard because, you know, it's like a full-time job just being out there doing that. And then we, we're split. Like, we have to keep yeah. everything going to bring money in to do what we got to do outside with fertilizer and all that. And so that just time management's an issue. Yeah, in the um, vineyard, too, we uh, are trying to figure out exactly the right um, trellising technique to that will work best out here. So we've, these vines are very young for in this particular bottle. It's about four years old. And our first crop from that, um, from that, from our vineyard. And we had some head pruned to see if it would provide a little more shade and some were bilateral cardone. We did some unilateral cardone. So everything is a little bit different and it looks like I have schizophrenia out there in the vineyard. But it's like, I had a thought when I was doing it, but we're just trying to figure out what works best. So in that particular batch, we did, um, it was about three barrels, and we separated each barrel, you know, according to the, the pruning technique to see. We ended up blending it all together in the end, but just trying to see if the different um, trellising would affect the, the flavor. Did it? Um, it did. It did, but it was, um, I think, um, I'm trying to explain. the Well, the, um, um, the head prune came in a lot lower. We picked them later, but they had a more green herbal flavor to them, where the bilateral cardone ones had more of a baked, um, baked, you know, stewed fruit flavor to it. So trying, so they blended together very nicely, and this is actually um, 
a reasonable alcohol as opposed to most of the, most of the wines that we make here. So nice 13.5% rather than 16 and 17, which we've been doing. Darn, that means I'm going to have to drink two bottles. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yes. We're yeah. all suffering that problem. Well, and also talk about like the soil. Like we we're talking about the acidity that was something, or the pH level. We we're talking about all that. Well, about there's such a variation, even, and we have a small, mm-hmm. small. I, I think our Cabernet is just about two acres, and it, you know, it varies from one end of the vineyard to the other in the soil composition. You know, where it's more um, heavy in calcium in some parts, and and just just um, getting the water to equalize in different because it's on a hill. So, you know, we put the the irrigation in, in ourselves and you know that we're not experts at everything so i'm um, just we're just trying to get some balance and kind of learn from our mistakes and move forward without and there is um there's different clones yeah we have three different clones in there um we have uh 338 um sorry uh what else? three we have 3304 338 and 337 in there so this is probably a bit of a technical question but oh, why yeah. did you select those particular three clones well most of our selection comes from the fact that um again money we had no money so I, it was where i was working at the time i would trade i would prune and then take the scraps home so depending on what the other vineyards in the area had planted was what we um we ended up using the cuttings from yeah so what else do you have growing in the vineyard right now we have a little bit of graciano and morvedra a little tariga montepulciano um cap franc petit verdot Grenache. Uh, we planted originally the only white was orange muscat, but we are slowly filling in to take over with Novacia because uh, we've yes. struggled a lot yeah, with, the <laughs> with the muscat. But that that's our our entire every 100% of it all cuttings. Nice. Really looking forward to Malvasia Sinoida. As far as I'm aware, no one's growing Malvasia Sinoida. No, because no. that's where we get our vines or all the other vineyards in here. So, no, actually, Callaghan and um, White and Rich grow Malvasia. They do? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Yes. That's good. Well, maybe they'll have my girlfriend on the tasting room later. Yeah. <laughs> and they, but they blend. Both of them blend theirs. Like, I think it would be neat to, I mean, we're not great enough to not blend, but I think it'd be really cool, like Sam Reckner. That was that was a beautiful Malbec. It really was. Yeah. So what should we be looking for when we crack open a bottle of the Ananda? Um, I'm hoping that you find some uh, a nice balance in there. I find it to have, I think it's complex and smooth, and it probably could benefit from a little bottle aging for sure. But um, but it, it I really really liked it. It has it has a nice range of flavors in there from both green and the you know the baked fruit in it's there full body. yeah it's, it's got very nice, full body yeah good mouthfeel nice we used Hungarian oak barrel for that um, neutral or we didn't know it was a brand new our biggest expense yet is oh, wow. a, yeah so we bought a brand new uh, Hungarian oak pungent for that Ooh, a 500 liter nice. and then um, we put and then we did two um, neutral American oak barrels so that was our you know most everything in there our the one issue we have because we constantly run out of all of our wines like they fly off the table before even and we, we bottle them so quickly so we always have a lot of young wines on the table but i it's the one thing i love i want people to do is hold on to them and i do get excited someone just sent me a picture of a moxie which is a graciano we'd sold a couple years ago right when we first said it was right after our first like right after we opened we released our original ones and then moxie came out and um it was i mean i love it and this girl who had bought in a case of it at the time just sent me a picture saying, oh my gosh, it's just getting better and better. Every time we open a bottle, it's better than the last. 
And I think that's so exciting. And I wish we could hold on to wines a little bit longer before we put them on the table. But it's just the luxury we don't have. Yeah. And that's the problem. And yeah. I've noticed in general with most Arizona wineries. And, yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, the wine doesn't have time to sit. It doesn't. in people's cellars. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It means that it's, it's popular. Yeah. But I feel that sometimes people are not getting that full range. I agree. That's true. Which yeah. is the comment I get whenever I hang out with the folks at Echo Canyon is because their wines are all 2014. Yeah. Wow. Oh, what? Yeah. Really? And, uh, <laughs> I don't have any of that. And, you know, everyone's like, well, these are the oldest. And it's like, well, yeah, because John Marcus had issues. Yeah. Yeah. When you break your hip in the vineyard and you manage it yourself, there's really not much you can no. do. No. Let the wine that's in your cellar sit. Sit. Yeah. Well, there's other vineyards, too, that I know, even in Sonoma, that will release these older ones, like a 2006, 2007, or even, you know, to, to me, like 2010, you know, wow. And we can't, we just don't have that. All of our wines are so very young. Like, we literally bottle them and put them on, on the table right after that, you know? We get our labels approved and go, which is not always awesome. I just wish that we could do someday. Someday when we're rich and we have a huge inventory, which <laughs> not yet. Yes. So, what's your favorite thing on the tasting flight right now? Oh, the well, we'll probably not out yet for another yeah. week. No, the Chardonnay, which is the mother love, was my favorite. They sold out last Friday of that. That was by far my favorite. And right now, I'm excited about the Zen. The Zenability. But so we have. Young. Oh, can I jump forward yeah. to what we did last year? We have so many exciting things happening yeah. in the winery right now. We did. Um, Shannon is a great partner because she lets me experiment with whatever we want. So we got to do some really fun stuff this year. We did, um, we have so many different varieties because we had, um, we bought a lot of fruit from uh, Golden, Rule. Golden Rule and he was, you know, very flexible and, and would sell me small, you know, half a bin of this or half a bin of that, whatever I could get my hands on. But we did a white Morvedra that we were making this what? year. Yes, yeah. we're so excited. So we did what? Morvedra regularly, but we were a little short whites. And uh, so we were experimenting with that. So we got um, two tons of that and pressed it right away, whole cluster pressed it, and then, and it is white. Yeah. It's, it's a funky flavor. The first, no, I love <laughs> the it. first week, it, I, so I mean, the first, um, I just tasted it and it was almost like when it was just pressed um, or just finished fermenting, it was like orange marmalade. And we let some of the other winemakers taste it and they were like, put it, um, it was Todd that said, put it in a, uh, Put it in a mason jar and call it marmalade because it just has such that character. Now it's it's more it's not seen any oak, but it still has like a, a chardonnay, very uh, oaky green character to it. So we're trying to figure out, you know, seeing how see if should we put it in a barrel and let it age a little bit or. And but it's, it's fun. It's it? really fun to. She blended it a little bit. Yeah, we add a little chardonnay to yeah. it. It's yeah, really nice. It, de it definitely needs a, something else, but it's it's interesting. It's it fun is. to be able to experiment. Our rosés, right? Oh. Honestly, the one thing I get so excited about, when, and they go out of here so quickly, which is kind of cool because rosés in America are kind of tricky. Like people assume walking in, they're going to be sweet, like a white yeah. or something. I've had that problem in my, when I'm in the tasting room too. Yeah, and so and the people that know dry rosés are go love our rosés. So that's the one thing that I, I always, without fail, regardless of the season, love that when we have it because it's by far, I just think it's so, so interesting. We're really complex. And this year, she's doing a Sangiovese rosé, and we're talking about doing a light, like a GSM rosé or a Grenache rosé. 
but it's they're so good and they're totally different but the color on both of them is so beautiful so i'm excited about releasing that we do release a one rosé typically a year and it's a series it's like our love series the first one was first crush and it was actually our feet crushing um the fruit and then the next one was our unconditional it was a bunch of our daughters um together and then this one my, our mom just passed away and we're gonna do a, my mom and dad's wedding picture and oh. say everlasting so we're trying to keep a very like personal intimate one rosé that we release a year with that we that means so much to us so and i i've actually we've gotten to the point where a lot of people are knowing us too for our rosés which i mean i love i like that i know they're not huge taking over the world by storm yet, if you will. Yeah, and I really do think that Arizona is on par with Vermont in terms of rosé. Yeah, agree. The quality. I agree. And I think that that's going to be one of the, I would say, maybe four or five things that Arizona is going to be known for. In the I agree. Rosé, especially GSM rosés and San Giovese yeah. rosés. Yeah. Yep. And I'm also really curious about that wine with Pedro. You're going to have to save the bottle of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. If I don't I'll drink let, it all. I'll let you taste it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> While you're here today. Yeah, I don't drink it all. But the, uh, <laughs> yeah, and rosé just makes sense in Arizona. Because it does. we need yes. a cold red to drink in the yeah. summer months and you, stuff like and that. Sure. You know, as I've pointed out on an earlier entry in, in the Wine Monk, um, Arizona, I think, has the longest rosé season. I agree. I agree. Any, you, you, you start with Memorial Day. You yeah. end at Halloween. Yes, it's true. Or even yeah. at Thanksgiving, if it's you're in true. Phoenix or Tucson. Yeah. That's true, yeah. I absolutely We drink it. Uh, we it's drink. our go-to. It it's, is. When we hold back any of the wines, it's mostly the rosé, and it's not for library future tastings. It's, it's so for we us, can drink for the... day-to-day survival. <laughs> but, and that, honestly, the one thing, too, I mean, I trash talk California all the time just because we're from California, and people always will say, well, why didn't you do a winery in California? And we just go, oh, Arizona's where it's at. We're pioneers out here. California so yesterday, and I'm exactly. and I, but I mean too. There's a, so many Arizona wineries that try to be like California wineries, and we're we're not like what I think the strength behind an Arizona industry wine industry would be carving out our own niche and not trying to be like California. And if rosés become something we're known, like Oregon's got their Pinots, you know, Sonoma with their Cabs or their Zin or their Chardonnays, great. That's what they're known for. I agree with you. I think. Arizona should, could stand out as world-class rosés on par with France or Spain, you know. So that's exciting. And, and we're really putting a lot into that. The fact that we'll release two rosés this year. We're excited. I know. Yeah. I'm, but I'll, um, I do I do think that's all true. I do love rosés. But I'm definitely thinking, you know, reds here, deep, concentrated what's, red flavors. What's your opinion of Arizona Tanakh? I think it's great. When we planted the vineyard, <laughs> no, I think it's something that um, when we planted the vineyard, we didn't have you know any access to that, so we don't have any of it. But I've tasted um, Calligan's. He does a varietal tonight, and it's it's very good. It's very you know I know it reminds me of Carmenere. Yeah, exactly. I think it, you know. No, it, no, you have that. Well, I think though, but Tanat is, you know, good for blending. I think it yeah. brings a lot to it. I don't know. It's almost, it kind of, I know this, well, Petit, it reminds me so much of Petit Sera. So, you know, it doesn't have that complexity and flavor or flavor profiles, but it, mm. it adds so much to a blend. But the Caligan um, varietal one is very good. Out of the grapes in your vineyard, which do you feel are doing, or I should say, technically vines, um, which do you think are doing best here in Definitely. Well, we, the yeah. Cabernet yeah. is by far the easiest, and 
the most, most rewarding. Vigorous. Yeah. And the um and the Morvedra does really well. But again, we, we planted most of those in head prune. I mean, they're such a heavy. vigorous, heavy, they've knocked down almost every pole, so we're gonna have to Strong rethink wind. the way we're doing that. Um I know everyone else down here um is doing really well with uh the um Graciano, but we have struggled with that one. That mm-hmm. one's not doing quite as well with it. It has a huge it dies back, you know. Quick, that's the one in our head prune that yeah. we're the most hurt with. Um but yeah, those two I think more veteran well petit Verdot is you know I love the yeah. Oh yeah, who isn't a fan? Yeah. <laughs> the petit Verdot I like. I mean, as a migrant worker out there, I like the head prune just because they're easier. But I absolutely think the prettiest ones out there for me are the Mervedra. I think they're so beautiful in the cab. And the Petit Verdot, they're just so solid and they're so like they I know they were I mean that and the Grenache. Remember we've got the two year old we had older plants that were coming yeah. there. They always look so good. But yeah, the Graciano green, I don't know. I don't get the color that I would love to get out of the Grenache. I think they you know, they're much lighter. lighter. No, that's yeah. something I've noticed about Arizona Grenache too yeah. in general is that it's much lighter than Grenache from France or California. Yeah. And it's just really hard to get that color extraction. And notice that with Arizona Nebbiolo too. I don't know if you had the We uh, don't we buy our, we are releasing a Nebbiolo this year, but we got those grapes from New Mexico. But one thing I did from this last year, like in in talking about how we were able to experiment because Jim Graham is such a fantastic uh, guy to work with over at Golden Rule. But we did um, he picked Grenache for me um, two months apart, almost six weeks apart. So I, I, and they almost came out the same in color. Um, huh. yeah, so mm-hmm. very different, but just kind of, we were trying to make a lighter red to have on the table. Cause we have mostly so much heavy, yeah, heavy reds and blends. So I was thinking, you know, trying to just play with it. It's fun to just experiment, but they six weeks apart came very similar, same maceration time and everything came. The colors are almost identical. That's, I mean, yeah. honestly, a good reason why. I mean, you could do a really lovely Grenache Rosé because they are so much lighter than, you know, other places just on their own, like the one that you're yeah. looking at, what you're saying. Well, though, it did come in so light. That's why she's saying yeah. we might release two rosés because the rosé we made with Sangiovese was Ragol, but the uh, and they're Grenache, and, and we're excited because we have so many, we got some great fruit from um, Sam Pillsbury this year. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that's it's beautiful and Jim Graham um it's just he's so flexible in how he picks it you can pick one row of this and you can pick the left side of the row or you know the east or west side however you want he'll work with you he's just very accommodating so that's been fantastic and and you know so we were able to do play with a lot of things we have Petite Syrah we got Petit Verdot, Cab Franc, Morvedra, Syrah from both Sam and and um, Golden Rule so we have so much to work with and it's so exciting just finding a place that all year though that was our biggest scary it was scary because um i just said yes yes because also um jim will let us make payments on our fruit so i'm like we'll take whatever we can get but my nightmare all through crush last year was like literally where are we going to put it where we you know we've been buying flex tanks we didn't have enough money at the time to buy barrels because we were just putting it in um getting everything as much fruit as we can our own money went to fruit so now um i'm trying to convince shannon to Loosen up some money. I need 40 barrels. <laughs> Loosen up the non-existent yes. money. <laughs> Shake that imaginary money tree because yeah. I need some money. Um, yeah, but, okay. yeah, so. This is not post-classical Mesoamerica where money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> and that old. Yeah. That's right. That old joke where how do you start, um, how do you make a small fortune in the wine business is start with a large one. We did that very backwards. We started yeah. with nothing and are building up. As to we nothing. go, yeah. Started with negative. Well, it's still, we're not rich exactly yet. Have nothing because you have lots and lots of wine now. We so do. Yeah. Everywhere well, you look, yeah. 
Yeah. And every just drink. Yes. Drink through the pain. <laughs> yeah. Who every, needs food? Yes. This year we <laughs> broke out. Like we said yes to everything. We filled and bought as many, um, you know, of the totes as we could, the blue drums and the barrels that we had. And we even put water in like my old homemaking wine carboys and beer carboys and or wine and everything. So in every bucket you looked in, there was wine <laughs> this year. But yeah. I just wanted to. We kind of have the theory here of um, say yes first and figure it out later, which is pretty much how we move forward on everything. And thank God we have such a great customers that support yeah. that with us. So we, um, so we like like this year, you know, we did every, we bought all this fruit. We didn't have the barrels or the storage space for it, and we adopt out barrels to our customers who see, they come in, see the problem we're having, and then they adopt a barrel, and and that's awesome. We appreciate that. So it's been um, we're we're well supported. Yes. So. Second to last question. Okay. Um, if you were a grape, what grape would you be and why? Hmm. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, you go first. I gotta think about this one. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I'm gonna go with Cabernet, not just because it's my favorite, but because it's kind of a pain in the ass to pick too. It's a little bit difficult. <laughs> you have very small clusters, you know, all over the, um, all over the vine. It takes forever to pick it. And it's, it's slow to mature, which I definitely am still working on. <laughs> but I think um, I think you know there's there's some complexity to it, and I I like to think that I'm definitely that. I'll, you know, if it if you don't give me the time, then it right away it's not the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is hard. I know. I don't know. I don't know. Shannon would be a great, but if she were a wine, she'd definitely be champagne. <laughs> Thanks. I was gonna say that though. I was gonna say like Chardonnay. Just because, I mean, it seems so boring and stuff like that, but I've had so many interesting different, like, Chardonnays, and it could be champagne. Yeah, <laughs> you know? she's in a wine. She is champagne, for sure. She's bubbly. and I know. Yeah. That's the one I would think. And a party in a bottle. That's That would sum Shannon up. This, thank God you didn't say Moscato. I was like, if you call me the fucker, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, uh, champagne, like Cab, they age well, too. That, that's oh, true. You that are my good favorite. Sweet talker. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite. What yeah. would you be in a grape? You know, that's a good question. Um, uh, I want a response from you guys, and then I'll tell you what so far the reigning consensus is. Okay. Um, what would you be? Well, yeah, I know. I like right away, I think of all the amazing paintings and icons you wear, and I think yeah. mission grape, but you know, that's not a great wine or no. a great anything. So. <laughs> no. I don't know. Let me give that. That is hard. Maybe I'd, maybe I would, um, I would, I would call you a Tanat if I could. Really? You've got that depth, and then you, you work well with everybody, and Tanat just improves any blend like we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and that rusticiness. I don't it's know. Hard. What is the general I felt consensus? like a Spanish varietal for you. Like, I don't even know why. Like, I was thinking, like, Granacha or Tempanillo. I don't know why. I have no idea why I even thought that. Okay, what is it? Well, the response that I've gotten, actually, it's interesting you say Tanat, because Tanat came in second. So ah! Not, uh, the one, the main response I've gotten is Alicante Boucher, for a lot of the same reason as Tanat. That would have been a little And then also, <laughs> yeah. the other reason is, as um, Abby and Chris from Caduceus and Chateau Tumbleweed have said, Kilts have cannons. <laughs> That's a good one. I, I like so that. So before we finish off, okay. why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, release event associated with the oh, Amanda. Yeah. Speakeasy. Well, it's our third annual Speakeasy. It's by far our favorite event, at least definitely my favorite event. And it's because we just get an awesome band, the Outlaw Rebels. Um, and they're just great. Like, it's 
it's not traditional like Roaring Twenties Charleston music. It's definitely like more swing, but they mix it up a little bit, and they're just so fun and energetic. It's just beautiful too. I mean, we have the tents up, we have the lamps up, we do high tables, linens. We go with big like ostrich feathers everywhere, and it, I just think it's glamorous and it's also intimate because yeah, it's that's at the night, difference. Though. You get to actually interact with the customers and be out talking to people. We dance with everybody, and it's like most of our events, you know, are a thousand or fifteen hundred people, yeah. and this one it's we're talking a hundred or two. No, 200. it's like two hundred. I don't want to jinx us because well, it's small enough where yeah. that you know people can stand around and we could go and talk to them. Yeah. And we can talk about the wine and they get to taste the wine. And we put our little, all of our children as um, servers, servers, and they do appetizers all around, you know, walking and, with the fancy trays and stuff. And, and not only that, but it's also an opportunity for, well, at first of all, the customers are equally, like, involved. They dress up. They shop for the outfits. They come out. They get into it. Yeah. And then we also get to invite one of our friends, like, to pour. We've had the last two years, Sam Reckner, and then this um, year we invited Lightning Ridge. And it's just fun to introduce a winery that we love to yeah. our customers who are so supportive of us. So I just love everything about it. I just yeah. think it's It's definitely, special. it's not one that we um, are there to make, you know, a ton of money at. That's not the idea at all. It's just to, you know, it's just, yeah. to, it really, I don't know what, it's just for us, and I think. Well, every anything, single yeah. time we've done it, the wine we're releasing is very special to us. So like the first year we released our Moxie. And the reason I wanted to do a speakeasy then because Moxie is such an old fashioned word. Like I just felt like, and the Moxie was about us having Moxie and trying to get the law changed and all that. And then we released the Lobbyist. And I specifically wanted like an old timey label, a label that reflected the period. That's not even, the, that was the original quickie one we got. But the actual one is even more like shaped. It's really cool. And then, um, and then this year, we're releasing our state wine. And it's, it's Amanda's yeah, birthday, too. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get to do a birthday cake and stuff like that. Yeah, it's special. It yeah. is. It's a, it's a fun one. What's the password? Amanda. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you, ladies, for hanging out with me. Thank and, you so and much. Having a glass with me um, before noon. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough job. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. If, it's too, if you have to ask if, if it's too early to drink, you can't be our friend. Besides, it's okay. 6 o'clock in London. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are behind. Yeah, you know, um, we are going to give them tastings. So gonna do it. Yeah, I'll let you try some of the yeah. Morvedra and some other stuff. So, so this gang is where I cut you off while okay. I get to have a little bit of fun here. Until uh, next time, this is Cody, uh, the Arizona Wine Monk, signing off. And again with Shannon and Megan from Arizona Hops and Vines. Thank you. Uh, the event is on the 10th. 10th. January 10th. Yes. Uh, January 10th on Saturday. 6 p.m. 6 p.m. So be here or be something that yeah. has four sides and <laughs> pointed angles. Yeah. Till next time, signing off.